we're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. A study by the Center on Privacy and Technology at Georgetown Law in 2016 revealed a statistic that shocked civil rights advocates across the country. Half of all Americans, around 117 million people, are in face recognition databases used by local, state, and federal law enforcement. Here in Baltimore, some officials and civil rights advocates are concerned there is not enough oversight of how the city uses increasingly sophisticated surveillance tools, such as facial recognition technology. An ordinance under consideration by the Baltimore City Council seeks to increase transparency about how these technologies are used. City Councilman Christopher Burnett represents District 8 in southwest Baltimore. He co-sponsored the proposal, and he joins us now. Welcome to the show, Councilman Burnett. Uh, Thank you for having me. Your ordinance deals with a wide range of surveillance technology. What technologies would it cover? There's actually uh, two, two ordinances that I've introduced on the area around surveillance or issue of surveillance technology. Uh, one of them pertains directly to the use of facial recognition technology, and the other is a lot broader um, and establishes a community oversight commission and reporting system on how the city uses uh, other forms of uh, surveillance technology, such as license plate readers, cell phone simulators, CCTV cameras, body-worn cameras. You know, I mean, there's a very long list of, of types of technology and surveillance tech. And the concern is that there's just not enough oversight and transparency in the collection of, of data, privacy concerns, accuracy concerns, um, and, and, a, and a whole range of issues that uh, I think most folks sort of... Um, don't know a whole lot about. And so I've been working on this since 2020 and I've, it's actually the fifth round of uh, our fourth bills, fourth bills, uh, set of bills that we've done to try and curtail and, and bring more transparency to the use of these types of technology. And, and so let me ask you, in terms of its effect, who is affected? When we talk about facial recognition technology, I would say all of us are affected. Um, and you know, the way, the way I try to describe it is, you know, if you walked into uh, your local pharmacy and you had to put your fingerprints or your social security number or scan your eyeballs to walk into the store, I think most people would be alarmed and wonder, well, what are you doing with information? Why are you collecting it from me? Uh, is this information for sale? Uh, who has access to it? Why? Are, like a number of questions would arise if there was like sort of a physical interaction. But with facial recognition technology, you don't see it. There's no face-to-face contact with the individuals that are collecting your biometric data. And like bio, like any other type of uh, very personal information, you can't change it. You can't change your face. And so the the technology uses data points on your face to identify or try to identify, and that's sort of a whole other issue, who you are in comparison to uh, already existing databases. And so in the public sector, those databases would be your driver's license photos or any other government photo. On the private sector, it's maybe anything that you've ever put on the internet. Your facial recognition technology bill would not outright ban any type of technology. What would it do? 
So yeah, I went. I, I did attempt a ban <laughs> back in 2020, and I, uh, the the council was not supportive. Didn't didn't make it out of committee, and so we've spent the last few years trying to build out a regulatory framework in which we could sort of curtail the the uses or many of the uses um, on both the public sector side and the law enforcement side. However, we've hit some roadblocks. Uh, And so a lot of the things I initially set out to do in the earlier version of the bill, um, we're sort of uh, at the whim of our state and federal legislative bodies to take on because we're preempted in those areas. And so what the bill does, it basically creates a, an awareness for the public. And so if the bill were to pass uh, as, as currently amended or will be amended, uh, if you walk into that same business, there'll be a sign that lets you know that your biometric data is being collected and used in in those in, in, in particular ways. Uh, it would also uh, require a registry to be created so that people could go online and see which businesses are utilizing this type of technology and so that they can have the autonomy restored to them and decide for themselves if they want to share their biometric data by walking into that business. And so the goal uh, is to try to raise awareness around this issue so that people know where to go, where it's being used. And and, and, and there's also a lot of reporting requirements on the government side uh, as well. So that's the private sector. On the public sector side, it would limit the types of crimes in which the law enforcement is using facial recognition technology and would be exclusively for very serious crimes, part one or part two crimes, which are violent crimes, are, would be the types of incidences, among others, that would they would be allowed to use it. But otherwise, you know, for a case involving the theft of a candy bar, those kind of things would be off limits. Um, it also requires extensive uh, reporting to be put in place. It sets a higher bar for law enforcement. So right now, there's no standard on the type of technology that can be deployed and the quality of the technology that's deployed by government agencies. And so one of the things that we've seen with this technology is that there's issues with inaccuracy and misidentification um, leading to false arrests. And there was actually one, or, or erroneous arrests. And there was one actually just last year in Baltimore County with uh, Alon- a guy named Alonzo Sawyer, who was uh, accused of assaulting an MTA bus driver. And the only thing they had was a what they thought was a match. It turned out to be the wrong person. And we've seen that all across the country where uh, individuals, the the system uh, just isn't 100% perfect. And uh, but also the way that technology has been developed is there's bias baked into the algorithms themselves, because a lot of the technology has been developed by white males. And so when we look at a lot of the data that institutions like Georgetown and MIT and other very uh, renowned institutions have shown that for black and brown people, particularly women, folks in the trans community, folks that have physical disabilities are among the highest levels of inaccuracy that the tech, that the most of these types of technologies, uh, facial recognition technology software, uh, are, are struggle to sort of come up with reliable matches. And so uh, we want to bake in a, stand, a higher standard through the National Institute of Technology, which has uh, a, a federal agency that provides oversight in, the, in that area. Um, and then we 
also want to just, again, have more disclosure because people have a right to know that this information is being collected, it's being used in ways that they may not be comfortable with. And then there's sort of the larger issue of bias and discrimination. And just the larger part of it is, you know, the establishment of a surveillance state in Baltimore where people feel constantly monitored and are hesitant to participate in public life because of this type of technology and the lack of oversight that currently exists. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cass speaking with Councilman Christopher Burnett about surveillance technology and the legislation he's sponsoring to change the way city agencies use it. Let me pick up on that last point. What what kind of rules govern the city's use of surveillance technology now? So right now, the only frameworks that are built in are through the Public Information Act, which sort of governs how data is shared and stored and and moved between agencies. There are some standards that are set around the judicial standards uh, that pertain to how information is disclosed to suspects or how it interacts within court cases involving the use of facial recognition technology. Uh, but beyond that, there are no real other regulations um, that that really curtail this. There's some consumer, some some, some consumer protection laws that exist, um, but largely it's it's pretty unregulated. And I'll note that in my time in office, it's rare that an agency head will say, "Hey, we actually do think we should have some regulations." And in this instance, the uh, Commissioner Worley was on record um, in a Police hearing saying, "Hey, I think we should have <laughs> regulations." Uh, and so um, I think, you know, this is a, a place where even law enforcement is acknowledging that there does need to be more guardrails put in place that go beyond their sort of internal protocols that they've set up that set a standard um, that, uh, you know, really ensures that public safety is on one end of the spectrum, but also ensuring that we have privacy and accountability um, with a technology that is that is handling and, co- and collecting and distributing people's personal information. Jake Parker of the Security Industry Association testified before the city council this month in opposition to your proposed ordinance. This is part of what he said. You know, we agree with the, the bill's intent uh, to protect Baltimoreans. We also understand the critical role the council already has in overseeing city agency uses of technologies. We appreciate that's being taken seriously, but if enacted, this would wind up in endangering the safety and security across the city by unnecessarily impeding the valuable safety and security tools during a time uh, when we need them most. And for those reasons, we urge you to post the bill. So why do we need this bill if, as Parker said, the council already is overseeing city agency use of this technology? Uh, well, I think it's one thing to have something laws in place to protect citizens are totally different than having oversight hearings um, which the council does have oversight hearings on these issues, um, but that doesn't curtail any of the issues that we've raised. We've raised around the type of technology that's being used, unless it's codified. The council is a legislative body, and I think this particular individual is being a little bit disingenuous because if that were the case, I mean, the Baltimore Police Department was a state agency up until just last year, and the General Assembly still hasn't passed any regulations uh, on this issue and had oversight over the police department. And we still saw instances in 2015 where the police department was using facial recognition technology at the protests following the death of Freddie Gray and using that information to try and intimidate people who were expressing their First Amendment rights. 
And so the oversight is one thing, but when you talk about actually legislating and codifying guardrails on how it's used so that type of thing doesn't happen again, that's a totally different function of, of the city council. And we're exercising our, uh, our rights within the charter to build in a regulatory framework and pass laws that protect the citizens of Baltimore. And that's what we're supposed to do. And that's what I was elected to do. How do you respond to Parker's assertion that the committee one of your bills would establish would delay the use of technology the city needs for safety? I don't know if it would delay anything. I mean, it requires uh, following the utilization of that technology to come up with reports on how it's used, where it's used, how effective it is. I mean, the, the citizens of Baltimore deserve to know that how their tax dollars are being spent. And they're the only body that can uh, authorize the purchase of any type of technology or procurement of technology is the Board of Estimates, not the City Council. And so my bill doesn't impede in any way the process of acquisition of technology. But what it does do is say, hey, we should be doing things up to a certain standard so we're not creating additional harm to the citizens of Baltimore. I do understand that, you know, we have public safety challenges in this city, but also we've also seen where this has been utilized to infringe on people's First Amendment rights to protest. We've seen uh, instances in which individual, the wrong person was arrested. And, you know, we've also seen instances, I had an opportunity to speak to folks in the, uh, the public defender's office to, you know, have shown that like this type of technology has been used in like very petty instances in which the, the utilization of the law enforcement's time would probably better been better served going after individuals who are committing violent crimes, which neither of these bills impede their ability to do so. Why is privacy and, and the rules the rules governing surveillance technology an issue Baltimore residents should care about? The most direct reason is that, you know, there's been rampant instances of of identity theft, um, just uh, and just to name a few. I mean, earlier uh, the State Department um, uh, issued a statement um, in April of this year, uh, warning about bias in facial recognition technology and state unemployment programs. Uh, there, is, there was uh, it, again numerous issues of the wrong person being arrested across the country. Um, there's also scamming and hacking that occurs in data breaches. Um, there's there uh, in, in 2019 um, there was a, a biometric database um, of 28 million records containing fingerprints and facial recognition data that was hacked by. Um, by hackers. Uh, Clearview AI is another private company that's amassed 3 billion photos of people scraping their social media accounts, their Facebook accounts, their Twitter accounts, Instagram. They were hacked. 3 billion photos. Uh, and, and, you know, when we talk about that, I think it's a little deeper. Like, these are photos of your children. These are photos of your nieces, your nephews, your grandparents. And again, when we talk about uh, where technology is headed and artificial intelligence is headed, there's the, the there are the creation of uh, of um, you know, uh, of uh, additional attempts to to hack people and um, and steal their money, steal their data using voice or using images or videos that aren't their actual person talking. A lot of that is from images that are scraped off the internet. And so I think when we talk about this is you know one of those things where people I think most people say, well, if I'm not committing a crime, then what do I have to be worried about? Well, this is something that goes beyond like each individual committing a crime. This is you just existing or you just putting something on social media and harm may come your way without there being any regulations in place to curtail that. Councilman, Councilman Burnett, thanks, thanks for talking to us about this. 
Thank you for having me. Councilman Christopher Burnett, elected in 2016, is serving a second term on the Baltimore City Council, representing District 8 in southwest Baltimore. Short break on the record. When we're back, efforts to regulate facial recognition technology in the Maryland General Assembly. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Critics of facial recognition technology say it violates the public's privacy. It captures detailed images of people's faces from video or photography and compares those images to stored biometric data. Concerns over the transparency, oversight, and accuracy of surveillance technology, including facial recognition tech, led Baltimore City Councilman Christopher Burnett to introduce bills to change the way city agencies use those tools. Those bills are still being studied by Burnett's colleagues. State lawmakers are also looking at whether there should be guardrails on surveillance technologies. State Senator Charles Sidner is a Democrat who represents District 44, parts of Baltimore County to the south and west of the city line. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. You've worked on legislation to regulate how the state uses facial recognition technology. Proponents of this emerging technology say law enforcement needs it to keep the public safe. What are your concerns about it? Well, you know, um, uh, and and you're correct. Uh, I think the first piece of legislation that I had introduced may have been back in 2017, uh, and it was after I read a report that was published by Georgetown University called a perpetual lineup. Uh, initially, I, obviously, you have uh, fourth, you have a Fourth Amendment concerns regarding the, that particular technology and and how it was used or how it ha- how it has been used in in some other governments around the world. So uh, initially. Me and a number of advocates, we were attempting to put a little moratorium on it because there were enough concerns regarding its utility, how how it might be used and and some of the blind spots that it had when when in terms of how how it sometimes was used and misidentified uh, black people. Well, give me those were some of the major concerns. Let me jump in and ask, give me some examples of how state agencies are currently using facial recognition technology. Well, you've had cases, uh, I believe it was in, I believe it was Detroit where law enforcement had misidentified someone and, and the person was arrested. Come to find out it was the wrong person. But even closer to home, and in fact, there was a news story just in the, uh, the New Yorker last week about a gentleman here in Baltimore County who was misidentified by this technology. Th- this was uh, misid- This was misidentified by county police. Uh, correct. This is the case of Alonzo Sawyer. That's that is correct. Tell us a bit about what happened to him. Uh, well, he, well, uh, and he he was misidentified. Thankfully, he he had a a, a very good strong advocate and his wife who knew that it wasn't him who had committed this assault. I believe it was an assault on a uh, 
a bus driver, if I'm not mistaken, and she was persistent. I believe the state's attorney's office and their investigators, they, I guess, looked into the wife's uh, story and and realized that uh, she was correct and he, he wasn't the uh, person who was being looked for who had committed the assault. So a few days later, um, he was released. Uh, now, proponents will say, well, you know what? That's that's how it's supposed to work. The gentleman was released and essentially no harm, no foul. Now, I'm sure Mr. Sawyer and his family might look at that differently. And, and I know I, I, I do. I don't want to spend any time incarcerated for a crime that I don't commit. So one one minute is too long. And I think uh, he was. I think he was behind bars nine days. Nine days, yes, ma'am. You're correct. What What do you hear from your constituents about state and local use of this kind of surveillance technology? You know, it 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 depends on who you speak with. I believe some people, I mean, they they see a utility to it. And 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 honestly, I would I'll be hesitant hesitant to say that I don't see a utility in it, especially after what happened on January 6th. Uh, we know that law enforcement used those technologies to uh, uh, help to arrest a number of people who, uh, who attacked the Capitol. Uh, so it, it has a legitimate law enforcement purposes. I, I think the concern, again, is just how, how it's used and what parameters and guardrails have to be put up, number one, because of when you talk to anyone who's who's looking at this from a technological standpoint with AI, it does not work as well uh, on non-white men, and and that's that's a huge huge issue that's going to have to be addressed. So uh, last session, we almost had legislation passed. I worked with some defense attorneys. I worked with state attorneys, police and uh, industry and and really trying to understand all sides of this legislation and come up with a bill that was essentially a compromise bill. I want to I want to ask you what that bill would do but let me just first say that state senator Charles Sidner a Baltimore County Democrat and a lawyer who serves on the Judicial Proceedings Committee on the record on WYPR I'm Sheila Cast we're talking about regulation of facial recognition technology. So what would Senate Bill 192 have done? Well one of one of the major things that it would have done was to limit how facial recognition technology could be used by by law enforcement. So one major concern that I had, and I think this was back in the early 2000s, the Maryland State Police were accused of, and it was found out that they were uh, spying on people who were exercising their First Amendment rights. So uh, that was going to be one of those prohibitions uh, for this technology was that it could not be used to infringe on anyone's constitutional rights. It was supposed to be used for uh, a limited number of circumstances on uh, with a variety with a number of what I believed are uh, some really uh, specific type crimes to ensure that it wasn't being overused. One one of the other actually one of the other concerns about 
with me was just in how large the database was going to be used. So initially, the legislation uh, that I had put in was going to limit it to uh, your, your state databases, like your driver's license database, and to uh, photo arrays that law enforcement already had within their possession. This particular uh, set of photos were not considered to be large enough for, for, for law enforcement because there are, I, I believe there are some law enforcement agencies that are currently, obviously they're currently using facial recognition all over the state. And, and there's, there's some companies who they, they market their, their services uh, by, and they go on to social media and they scrape uh, people's photos off of uh, different social media pages and repackage them and they sell them to law enforcement. We're and almost they, out of time and I want to understand from your perspective why did the why did the general assembly not pass we, we, regulations we on facial technology. Yeah, we we ran out of time. I I, I fully expected the legislation that it, it died on signy die last year. It, it it'll pass. Uh, so my intentions are to introduce the exact bill that came out of uh, that were, that passed the uh, Maryland Senate and went over to the House. Um, uh, spoke with my cross filer. He, he's on board and and, and your cross filer. That's delegate uh, delegate David Moon. I, I fully expect that uh, that bill it, it should pass. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you for having me. State Senator Charles Sidner is a Baltimore County Democrat who serves on the Judicial Proceedings Committee. If you missed part of our conversation, don't worry. You can find this episode of On the Record and others wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sheila Cass. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow.